Hey sports fans, and welcome to episode 78 of State of My Sports. That's State of MI Sports, where we talk about the teams we love and you love in this great state of Michigan. Stay in touch with us on our social media, State of MI Sports, on Instagram and Twitter. Also, like our Facebook page with the same name, State of MI Sports. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You're alerted when a new episode is out. And share us with some friends to help us grow our audience. Uh, episode 78, we will break down the Lions' win against the Falcons and preview their matchup against the Colts. It's kind of a, a big game all of a sudden here. Uh, with week one behind us, uh, we will touch on what we saw from our in-state Big Ten teams, obviously Michigan State and Michigan. What do we know now? What do we need to learn moving forward? Uh, also, <laughs> kind of a snuck up on us, but it's Michigan and Michigan State week. Yeah, that happened fast. It's <laughs> pretty crazy how quickly that happens, um, but it is, and it's it feels a little different, but uh, it's still rivalry week, so we gotta, we're obviously going to talk about that. Uh, we will make some picks against the spread, and of course, we will grade some Michigan beers. I am Sam Waltart, and with me today, we got Micah Smith and Ryan Waltart. We do have a special guest that we will be bringing on in just a moment, but I did want to just do our quick beer intro. That's really what's important here to, to get that started and out of the way. Um, for episode 78, um, before we do that, I want to remind everyone of our partner, Siciliano's Market. They are simply the best beer store in West Michigan located on Lake Michigan Drive between Grand Valley State's main campus and downtown Grand Rapids. Wherever you live in West Michigan, it is worth the short drive for what they have to offer. Whether you knew, know what you want or need some help from their expert staff, Siciliano's Market is the best place for it. They not only have a massive and up-to-date inventory of craft beer across our great nation, they're individually priced so you can mix and match to build your own six-pack. They have a great selection of beer, obviously, uh, specialty wines, spirits, ciders, coffee, tea, tobacco, and cigars. They also have the largest selection of homebrew and winemaking supplies in West Michigan. We love that they're a part of the State of My Sports family, so check them out and let them know that we sent you. So let's, let's just jump right into our beer intros. Mike, will you start us off here? Yeah, absolutely. So tonight I'm drinking from Pigeon Hill Brewing Company, their Cafe Disco. It's a coffee blonde with hazelnut and cinnamon, and you can actually taste the coffee, the hazelnut, and the cinnamon at the end. It tastes really good. Uh, it's a five percenter, and uh, <laughs> it says Cafe Disco. It's a snickerdoodle explosion in your mouth. That's what she, and then it cuts off. <laughs> That's it? Yep. Nice. What's the next part? What do you think? Uh, ne- anyway, you know. <laughs> I'll go next. All right, from Blake's Brewing Company uh, in Armada, Michigan, I'm drinking Cinnamon Donut Stout. So there's something about cinnamon going on today with yours and mine, I guess. But uh, it's fall, man. That time Part of year, of it. It, and I'm loving it so far. I mean, <laughs> honestly, this is this is great. This is exactly what I needed today. Um, so they wanted to brew a beer with donuts, so they did. They made uh, this beer, famous cinnamon donuts, and locally sourced cold brew coffee. The stout has notes of rich chocolate, vanilla, and cinnamon. So super pumped about this one. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I already can't. You know, I, I'm ready to give it a grade at the end, right now. So yeah. I'll, I'll hold off <laughs> right. for now. All right, I am drinking from Tapestry Brewing. Uh, what is it called? Hoptometry. It's an American IPA. Uh, they say it is a combining artistry of in chemistry is what they do. Uh, the American IPA uh, blends popular hops Simcoe and Amarillo uh, as the palate meets the balance malt with your senses. Malt your senses. <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. That's that, if that's what they say. That's what they say. So that is what I'm drinking. Malt your um, senses. <laughs> also, we w- will all be drinking from Wolverine 
Wolverine State Brewing Company uh, Massacre. It's their Imperial Dark Lager. We're going to dig into that one. We did not want to all have our own because it's 14.4% alcohol. So uh, that just sounds dangerous for a Tuesday night. But also, we cannot forget our guest is here. And so we are drinking Coors Light in his honor because of his show. So let's bring Jim in right now. Uh, thank you for joining us, Jim. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, Jim Costa from the Big Drew and well, the and Jim show uh, from <laughs> 3 to 6 uh, weekday weekdays on ESPN 96.1 here in Grand Rapids uh, or on demand. They got the podcast up for you guys. So wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, it is there. Just search. I'm sure. Is it going to be Big Drew and Jim still? For like, is that what they need to search to find it for now? Yeah. Right now, search Big Drew and Jim. I have no idea how the transition <laughs> going to work. This is not something I anticipated. But yeah. Here we are. Yeah, for sure. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, just thank you so much for joining us. Just really appreciate it. Um, and I, what I really want to do is just start out allowing our our listeners to really get to know you if they haven't um, already listened to your show, which would probably be incorrect if they listen to us i'm sure they listen to you so uh that's kind of how it works but all right so jim costa uh basically w- can you share like your, your social media platforms that people can follow you first of all so so we can get get people to do that uh yeah facebook just search jim costa i accept a lot of listeners i love the interaction and then twitter is probably where i'm most active at jim costa underscore same thing for instagram Again, like the show's never really off. We love yeah. messaging. Sam knows this firsthand. We love messaging you guys even when we're not on. <laughs> yeah, I, I find myself messaging you guys when I'm listening to podcasts. Sometimes, like, oh wait, this isn't live. They're not going to respond to me or read my my take on the air. <laughs> Um, this moment, but that's uh, exactly what you do when you're listening to our <laughs> podcast when you're not on it. You're yeah. like, you're still calling in. Yeah, I, I have a problem. My name is Sam, <laughs> and it's an addiction to sports talk radio. Uh, that's basically. So, so where are you from, Jim? So I'm from the east side of the state, Livonia, a suburb of Detroit. Grew up there and, and spent like my entire youth there. Yeah, and then you went over to Central Michigan, where you studied. What did you study there? So broadcast and cinematic arts is the fancy title on my degree. It's kind of a catch-all for anybody that wants to do things from, you know, stage lighting to on-air television news. It's a great program for that, or, or people like me who want to talk sports on the radio. Yeah. So is that really what you wanted to do? Is is like be a host of a sports talk, or was it more like a little bit of play-by-play, a little bit of everything? Like, what was your your vision when you decided to to study there and what you studied? So I mean, everybody tells you. Try everything. Um, make yourself as well-rounded as possible. I went in knowing I wanted to do sports talk radio, but play-by-play was one of the areas, and sports updates was one of the areas that you get on the air quicker. Okay. So I did some high school sports. I did some women's basketball. I did some baseball and softball. Sports updates. I did some on-TV stuff, uh, bigger gym at the time. Uh, doing some on-camera stuff, and, <laughs> and it was all fun in different ways, but nothing really ever was as compelling or as exciting as sports talk radio was for me. For sure, yeah. I mean, I, I, you have you kind of let us know earlier, like, you f- fell in love with it when you started driving, right? Yeah. And, and, like, you just really, like, I feel like that's kind of all of us. It's like, as soon as we can control the radio and our dad's not slapping our hands. Yeah, sports talk. Like, change it from, from uh, <laughs> Rush Limbaugh or whoever, yeah. like, whoever's on t- uh, the, the news channel. And, and try to change what we want. And then once we get that control, that was that was big, big moment for everybody. Well, yeah. I mean, I, when I'd come home from school, I'd flip on, you know, PTI and Around the Horn, and I couldn't get enough of it. And I'd wake up in the morning, and Mike and Mike would be on the TV. 
And but it wasn't until I got like my driver's license, 16 years old, and all of a sudden that light bulb goes off, and, and I'm listening to Detroit Sports Talk Radio and realizing like this is a lot of fun, and it is kind of surreal now to be in a spot where other people. I mean, today was the day that really showed it, where other people feel that way about what I'm doing. Yeah. Been doing. Oh. It's, it's really surreal to be in that spot. Yeah, I bet. Is there a particular uh, show on the East Side or, or host that kind of that you were drawn to that you kind of wanted to? I, I don't know. If look up to yeah probably look up to is probably the best best word like someone on the east side yeah, I mean, in particular i mean i i wanted to listen to as many people as possible to kind of figure out what i like and didn't like and what i thought was similar to me um you know i would say i interned for carson anderson so oh, right. i have a lot of appreciation for the humor and fun they brought to the radio uh, I listened to a lot of Valenny and Foster. I know for people on the east side of the state, that was like the show and, and probably the show that really solidified what I wanted to do. Um, Jamie Samuel, this is a guy at RIP, yeah. was someone that I was able to reach out to and interact with, and I appreciated his logic that he brought. Uh, I mean, nationally, uh, people don't like him, but I thought he tried to be interesting. Colin Cowherd's a guy that I really appreciated when I was in school and, and trying to seek out like who's good, who's bad. So I'd say like it's good to have a variety of influences because you got to be yourself at the end of the day. It's just who can you pick up stuff from and who can you learn from. Yeah, for sure. That makes I I, I really enjoy listening to Carson Anderson. I still listen to them pretty much every day. I I actually just discovered them about a year and a half ago, really. And I, I don't know. I, I really like what they do. Um, but obviously, I, I always listen to you guys at three o'clock. Um, but so, is there? A, what are your favorite Michigan teams? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm wearing a Red Wing hoodie today. They were looks, my first love yeah, in the '90s. Great. I mean, hard not to be. But hockey was my first sports love, and those teams in the early 2000s, especially, decorated That's where I really got the itch, and then. You know, it's no secret that I, mean, I, I fell in love with baseball. And, and then I started playing some football and really got uh, an appreciation and a love for college and pro football. So I would say, you know, my teams are Red Wings, Lions, Tigers, CMU, Fire yeah. Up Chips. Fire up chips. Yeah. And then you go Pistons, Pistons probably there too. All right, so I've always wondered this, and if you don't want to answer, I, I didn't I didn't put this on the original sheet. So just no, say just say no comment if, if that's okay. Um, before you went to Central Michigan, it became a Chippewa. Did you lean more Michigan or more Michigan State? You, I mean, it has to be one. Right? I will answer. You have okay. a guess? I'm guessing Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I was a Michigan fan. Okay. I remember uh, uh, being excited when Rich Rod was hired. Yeah. To show you how, how much of an idiot I was. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was right there with you. <laughs> we all Something were. Something needed to change, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. I maintain if he gets Terrell Pryor, it's a different story. I, I remember being up on all the recruiting stuff. But then when I went to CMU, it wasn't so much – I mean, Michigan football was bad at the time, so I think that played into it. But then it was more so that I had a community that I, I could attach to, that I could relate to, that I was paying tuition for, that I was emotionally invested in, not just financially invested in. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. My friends are Michigan fans. My friends are state fans. I like them both. On, I'll, I'll have my team, my university. And yeah. it just became a Chippewa. Yeah, so when so basically between the Michigan-Michigan State game, obviously – if there, there's no question who's going to win. We'll get into that a little bit later. But Ryan is, is a kind of a guy that's like whoever's better and can make the Michigan name more proud is who he wants to win that game. Is that kind of where you're at? Or do you want to see upsets? I don't really go see and craziness? for um, one school in a given year. I root kind of for the stories. 
Okay. You know, what's going to be more interesting? What's so, going to give me something with a little more juice on a Monday at that point? Which, which, so, like, I want the rivalry to be good, first and foremost. When I got on the air in 2015, it was um, just after trouble with the snap. Oh, Michigan geez. State's competing for playoffs on year one. Got him right there nipping at his heels. And now five years or so later, Michigan's good. Right, there's yeah. one good team. Yeah, I like it when both are competitive. Yeah, for sure. Um, I forget where I was. What I was gonna ask next. You guys have a question right now where I can regain my thoughts here. <laughs> I don't right now. All right. Honestly. Well, anyway. All right. So <laughs> all right. we'll just all right. no questions. So at all. so on top of the the host for Big Drew and Jim. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna do that. I'm not gonna correct no, myself please, every time. Say Big Drew and Jim. I'm gonna be going through this for the next month. Where I have to stop saying it. This awkward and Jim show. I know we'll talk about that a little later. But yeah. No, it's Big Drew and Jim. That's how people know. Yeah. So you're obviously the host of that, and then you also do a uh, Sunday tailgate. Can you tell us a little bit more about that with uh, Jeff Risen? Is that correct? Yeah. So Risen's a, a great guy. Covers the Lions, and he's been part of the station since before I retired, and, and I think it was. Uh, year one or year two at the station, and I was like, we should do some Sunday programs. You know, we should be talking about the line on game day. Yeah. And it's evolved into this Sunday tailgate where, you know, we're talking Big Ten football from the night before, and then we're talking about Lions football that day. So it's Sunday from 11 a.m. to noon. Two-hour show in the past. This year, it's a one-hour show. Okay. I think we might have just lost. I oh, don't need you there. No, you still? Yeah, yep. We I thought I lost you there for a minute, but we got you. You know what's uh, funny too? I think um in in the uh the show today, in Victor and Jim, the final, you know, finale for, for Drew and everything, you guys played the first minute of episode one, right? Yeah. Or, or the, the yeah. first broadcast. And it was funny because it was like on, you know, today Jeff Risden, exactly the yeah, same thing, right? Ex- yeah, exactly. And and all the crap that the lions are going <laughs> through and it just sounded so familiar. And, I mean it was unbelievable. How similar it, the the whole thing is today, still, you know. Yeah, that was one of the coolest things I think about about today was 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 that and listening to it and I don't want to say how awkward it is, but like just how much you guys improved, you like your chemistry, you can feel it um, way better than, than obviously day one, which is expected. So, um, so you're also the uh, what is it the program director? So basically, you're. Everything that's on 96.1 from sun up to sundown is on you. Um, how do you guys pick and choose? Obviously, you're affiliated to ESPN, so that probably plays a little bit into it. But, I mean, how much are you able to pick and choose what goes on? Um, and I bet you that was even more difficult during the pandemic without any live sports, huh? Yeah, I mean, so at iHeart West Michigan, we have a ton of play-by-play um, that airs on all of us. We have wood radio in our cluster that airs Michigan football. We've got... Big 101.3 now, which airs MSU football. But we've aired you know, Grand Valley football. I've been a proud UVSU Laker uh, flagship. We'll air Western Michigan football this fall. Uh, we've aired Western Michigan basketball. So we try to accent as much as we can with local because we, we do have our hands tied a little bit from sunup to sundown outside of our show because it's an ESPN affiliate. So we carry, you know, Keyshawn J and Zubin in the morning and then Dan Levitard and, and Greeny and Kellerman. And really, I don't have, I and mean, we don't get accent with little local pieces and commercials and things like that, but our, our true local comes from the afternoon show, and it comes from all the local teams we have. Yeah, for sure. I, I love I love what you guys do. I, I, it's a really, really good station. It's 
definitely number one on my on my uh, my list. Definitely. So, um, who who obviously you're in sports. You're a big fan of sports. Is there a particular um, you know celebrity or even athlete that you've met that you thought was pretty cool through your job? Yeah. So in just some of the events we've done in the past, I think we did a Tigers opening day. We had Chris Chelios on because we were over by his, what was Chelly's Chili at the time. Uh, I did a show the last season at the Joe. We were there for the opener and we had Chris Draper on. I told you guys, I grew up as a Red Wing fan. So those guys were really cool for me. You know, we've had the manager of the Tigers. We had Ron Gardenhire on this year. Um, You know, with ESPN, we've had Mike Greenberg on, uh, folks like that. Uh, Tom Izzo has been on the show before. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not as interview heavy as maybe some, some traditional sports radio. And that's kind of intentional. We want it to be very conversational. We want it to be very community oriented. But when we get a chance to get professional athletes and coaches, like we, we don't turn that stuff down. Yeah, I, I think that's one thing that I, I, I appreciate. Obviously, we like when you guys do interviews and stuff. But as a listener, it's like you like to be involved. You like to to know that you're being heard and part of the conversation. And it's not just about you guys or not just about your guests and stuff. And I'm not pointing any fingers on other, other any shows or anything, well, but it's just, it's just Sam, about Sam, let me, everybody. Let me tell you this. Oftentimes guests aren't int- like, if you get good guests, great. But if oh, you're yeah. just having guests to have guests and it's coach speak or athlete speak, like I can't, I, I'm bored and I'm the host. <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, people listening in their car. Yeah. I think the, the tiger's tailgate that you guys did when you had a, a tiger's player on, I think it was every Thursday. I could be wrong on the day. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really cool. I thought you had some really good personalities. My favorite, I think was Matt Boyd. It was, I don't want to say like the most exciting one, but just the message he had, I thought was really cool. And like his, yeah. uh, charity that he's a part of and stuff like that. That was really cool to get to know that because obviously that's, that's something really important to, to a lot of people and something that you don't really know. I think baseball players, for example, you don't know their personal side nearly as much as any, anybody else because they're just quieter. They have less time to be about themselves. Um, so I thought that was really cool to just get to know a few more of the players than, than you usually don't. Yeah, I mean, boy, I didn't really know about it until we had him on and we did some research, uh, freezing on the details, but he, he helps children and families in Uganda. And yeah. I would never have known about that. And all of a sudden he shares that with the audience. And I know we have – a lot of people with with big hearts who are like, "Hey, man, however I can help, however I can be supportive," and, and we just like being the conduit and sharing that story. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. All right, so a couple of things. So every every podcast or every every once in a while we do uh, what we call a banana boat. So everybody has their you know Mount Rushmore and stuff like that. We do banana boat, yeah. obviously for the uh, Dwayne Wade and was it Carmelo <laughs> Anthony? Like that was kind of a, a joke of that. So there are four LeBron seats James. available. Yeah, LeBron was on there, but uh, <laughs> but so what we want you to do real quick to kind of fit our show is fill your banana boat with your favorite uh, four uh, Michigan athletes. So I'm going to give you three obvious ones and then one that's um, a little off the beaten path. So I told you I grew up as a Red Wing fan. Steve Eiterman's the captain. He will always be on my banana boat. And I, by the way, I love that you guys do that. Yeah, you I, you, hid, there. you hid your love for Eiserman so well last year <laughs> when he was uh, – <laughs> I just wanted to say that. No, I'm just kidding. Guys, when he got hired to be the GM, I was so thrilled because I, I, I had called it, but it was more of you're hopeful, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then to see it actually come true, I'm really excited to see how he's going to build up – Red Wings, but Steve Eiserman, the player for a young gym, was the dude. And uh, weird quick story about Eiserman. We haven't had him on the show yet, although I'd love to get him. But when my mo- my mom's a teacher, and when she was a teacher, 
one of her colleagues um, was a huge Iserman fan and he retired. My mom actually coordinated Steve Iserman sending him a card and he called my house. No I'm way. in like elementary school picking up the phone for Steve Iserman. I was like frozen, <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll pass it along. Sure, Steve. Uh, so yeah, Iserman, Iserman's on my list for sure. I would put Justin Verlander there. Loved him in big postseason games, oh, yeah. game five, eight, eight innings of shutout baseball. Amen for sure. Um, I would put, I'd put Matthew Stafford, another guy I'm not uh, shy about. I think Stafford's a guy that I put in my banana boat. And then my fourth one, I'll go off the beaten path for you. I loved Placido Polanco. That's a, yeah. Yes. That's a very good one. Just watching him choke up on the bat, you know, I, I picture him in the outdoor games, like the cold October games with the ski mask. With the mask, yeah. Choking yeah. up in the, play, in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, I love It'd be that. so appropriate right now, too, right? I yeah. Mean, is, yeah. For sure. <laughs> uh, one thing, well, I, I think I fell in love with Polanco, obviously, like most soccer fans, was, was the 06 when he was just jumping for joy when they made the... Oh, yeah. Round and third. Yeah. And just like, yeah, jumping all over the place. Yeah. Oh man, that was the best. I I will never forget that. I mean, that that's one of those things. And you guys actually kind of had a, a cool little topic during that time. Um, wh- where were you when two or, ni- or two thousand and six when the Tigers uh made the play or made the World Series and stuff like that? That was that was really cool doing that. Um, a couple more things before we move on to the the nitty gritty of the podcast. Uh, another thing we do, obviously, we're, we're, we're we do the craft beer, the Michigan beers. Yeah. And all of that. Do you have a favorite local brewery or maybe name a few that you really like? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you guys having the course stuff. I mean, that is our show sponsor, and that's like the, the easy drinking beer that I've got on all the time. Yeah. But you sure. can't live in West Michigan and not like stumble into a, a, a craft place, a brewery. So I, I love Bells. I like Oberon. Um, I like what's their their winter version of that. It's really good too. Their winter. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what their winter beer is. Honestly, I should probably it, know that. That's pretty good. I do like uh, I like Rubeus. Some people get mad because it's a fruity beer, but I like Founders Rubeus. Yeah, you won't be judged on this podcast with the fruity, flavorful beers. We're we're big yeah, fans that's of like, those. That's like what we do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, or what do you like? Oh, New England IPA. This New England, yeah, fruity and add add fruit, and we're good with it for sure. So. And then, you know, I, uh, I know you guys have done some stuff or, or we'll do some stuff with Big Lake Brewing in Holland. And they were a sponsor, gosh, early on in the show. And they actually let us brew our own beers. Like yeah. they, they allowed us to put a little flavor. And I had a red ale that I did with Big Lake. And I really like that. Uh, they do a beer milkshake out at their place now that I really like. And yeah. then between the Sparty Party and the Hazen Blue, yes, we who I'm more of a fan of. It. It's the same with the beer. I, I go to Hazen Blue. Yeah, I, I think even Spart- Spartan fans would admit to that because there's no question which one the better beer is. The the the, <laughs> the yeah, Hazen Blue is, is definitely the best. We actually uh, last week was really cool. Uh, we had Big Lake reach out to us and we we uh, did a full. A uh, big lake episode. So we did. Was it eight? We had eight different eight beers. different beers of theirs. Four pack of each. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And we were we were Insane. we drank all of them. And by the end of the podcast, man, I was I was struggling, but it, it was a lot of fun. Um, so then, are are there any particular beers that that you really like? You named a couple breweries, but and you also named was it Oberon? Rub- oh yeah, you did name your yeah, beer. Sorry. So, so yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I kind of gave you a little bit of both, but. Uh, I went out to Oberon release day a couple years back and that was really cool. Um, that's like an easy spring sign of spring for me is, is at the release of Oberon. And, and I, like, I, I think I gave you Rebeus and yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think you guys, well, I love the wrinkle you guys are doing with the podcast because it's, 
it's it's more than just a hobby like it's a way of life for people in west michigan yeah yeah for sure and that, that's been a lot of our, our contacts have been through the breweries obviously our sponsor the hops brewing company uh, and cafe which is over in uh standale they they let, actually let us come in and, and we brewed a beer with them they named it state of my pa which i thought was pretty sweet kind of fit the podcast that was one of the biggest moments i think not biggest moment but it was just awesome. a, such a cool moment that they they took yeah. the time to do that with us um and then you guys also have uh coppercraft i remember you guys doing some coppercraft something with them was it your own uh bottles or something yeah so cool story on that i know you guys are beer focused but when it comes to spirits i mean they're probably our longest running sponsor right now coppercraft and we've loved watching them blow up now they've got a bar in van andel they got a bar at comerica they got a bar at um little caesar's arena yeah and when we started working with them they they were starting to grow and they gave us an opportunity they had these old barrel-aged uh, uh bourbon barrels right the, the barrel had, hadn't been tapped yet and they had drew and i come out with the drill tap three different barrels taste them pick the one that we enjoyed the most and they bottled it as a limited release and listeners were able to buy it drew got i got barrel i got bottle one drew got bottle two and i still have it to this day i yeah. mean drew's gonna crack his open for his wedding this week Oh, oh that's, that's awesome. That's I, I think cool. that'd be like having something like that. It's like, you never want to open it, right? Like it has to be no. the specialist of special <laughs> occasions. You're that you're going to hand it down to a kid someday, right? Like you're never going to open it. There's nothing wrong with it either. Like I had a hard time opening my uh, state of my PA and that was just in a little deucer, but I knew, <laughs> I knew that wasn't going to get better over time. So I uh, wasn't going to do that. But uh, once again, really appreciate you coming on. I did want to talk a little bit about sports directly with you. If you still have some time with us, uh, I want to start with Lions. So I want to do a quick little breakdown. Then we can kind of discuss uh, where we're at. I know uh, we stay are a little bit different opinions, but uh, I'm going to be nice to you since it's, I'm the host today. Cause not, I'm not going to be as nice as or as mean as I am on the messenger. So I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> um, what a gentleman. <laughs> All right. So the Lions beat the now one and five Atlanta Falcons on the road, twenty-three to twenty-two, uh, with an eight-play, 75, seventy-five-yard, one-minute and four-second drive. As time expired behind Matthew Stafford's eleven-yard touchdown. No timeouts. Throw. Yeah. No timeouts. That's a great point. Uh, to tight end T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, Stafford was twenty-five of thirty-six. Uh, with 340 yards, uh, the single touchdown, zero interceptions, and was sacked twice. Uh, Galladay led the way with six catches for 114 yards and really had multiple absolutely unbelievable catches. Like, the numbers do not do it justice. You guys got to look up the catches if you didn't see it. If, if he makes a catch, it's going to be an unbelievable <laughs> it catch. It was awesome. I mean, that's what he does. Including the 29-yard catch in traffic to set up the touchdown well, from, the, from the 11. Um, or was it the 8, the 11? Somewhere in there, nobody knows. It's a controversy that we're all wondering what's going on. But uh, anyways... Hawkinson had a big catch on the drive, didn't go out of bounds. That was an issue. Uh, but he also had five catches for uh, 59 yards. Uh, Marvin Jones, actually, he is still on the team, and we finally saw that uh, with five catches and 80 yards. Uh, the run game really not never got going. I think we're going to talk a little bit about that. AP, 29 yards, 11 carries. Swift, 27 yards on nine. Uh, but the run defense, I think, was very important in this game. They allowed only 66 yards on the ground to Atlanta. Uh but, but did allow Matt Ryan to go 31 of 42 for 336 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but one of the big differences, I think, was the stri strip sack fumble. I remember sitting in my basement watching this game, and I'm like, it's going to take 
a turnover. It's going to take a turnover to win this game. I kept saying that in my head. I wish I would have had someone to talk to, but I was all by all by myself. But I did <laughs> say it to myself, so I'm going to hold myself accountable on that. Uh, but that's what it ended up being. In uh, the, the the key to that fumble was it gave Prater another shot at his field goal that he just missed. Uh, that was really really important, and I really and really that's just the only thing you can recap right now. Um, but I, Jim, I wanted to point you out here. You you tweeted something out. It it, it was all right. I'm gonna try to read this here. I'm I'm a terrible reader by the way, so just don't judge me. Uh, <laughs> which <I'm, laughs> he said this was a master. So he, Jim said this on his Twitter. He said this was a master class on how to blow a game on both sides. He said Falcons go for it on fourth and five. Lions miss a field goal. Falcons fumble. Gurley touchdown. Hawkinson not getting out of bounds. Falcons play prevent and allow the 70. It was just a whole bunch of I don't want to win, you you win. Well, the, I don't want to win, well, you win. Well, the girly win. touchdown was he wasn't supposed to score a touchdown. Right? All they had to <laughs> right? do was just run the clock out and win the game there with the field goal at the very, very end, and he he also got in the end zone. Yeah, so, yeah. it was absolutely insane. Blowing so, Jim, it. is there something in – obviously there's a lot to unfold here or unpack. So, I mean, I'm assuming you don't consider this a good win because of the way it happened, but I guess – what are your what are your thoughts about the win? I guess I should just leave it up to you and not put words in your mouth, right? <laughs> no, I, listen, I, I appreciate you reading the tweet. That was just instant reaction after the game. And what I would say is that they finally found a team where giving up a fourth quarter touchdown was good. Right? They finally <laughs> right. found the scenario for Matt Patricia where his defense giving up the score was a good thing. Um, <laughs> that was quickly, so can someone explain to me why the Falcons didn't just take the knee we're blaming Gurley for going into the end zone I was it was a minute and 12 to go three knees and it's done yeah and what, what were they on like you the know? 12 I, yard I, I was a little confused about that yeah I, I was thinking yeah. the same thing I was prepared for a loss I was mentally like just destroyed already and then all of a sudden they start they, they ran the ball and I'm like wow that, like all they had to do was take two two knees probably yeah so there weren't any more timeouts Maybe even one. You get it under, yeah. It would. I. I was blown away because it's. If they don't trust their their kicker to get a twenty five yard chip shot field goal to win it, they need a new kicker, right? Like that was. I mean, it was the coach. I mean, it's a brand new coach, right? They they fire their coach. This <laughs> they guy, should fire this, this guy's coach new. Too. Yeah, like was, I don't know if this is going any better. It was funny. I was actually at Great Wolf Lodge, watching this part of the game, and it was like you know kids running everywhere, getting splashed with water, <laughs> just out of. I don't know. It's just like chlorine in my eyes. I can't even really see anything. And it was just chaos. Like I was just watching and, and these, these people next to me, I'm just like, what's going Like, why are they running? Why are they running the ball? And he's like, well, they're trying to score. I'm like, why are they trying to score a touchdown? It doesn't make any sense. And then they score the touchdown. I'm like, all right, thank you. You know, you give it back to Matthew Stafford. Like that's, he's the best in the NFL at what he just did, what he just showed us. And I, you could argue not a whole lot else, but but he's really really good at that. Yeah, that that was it was unbelievable. So there were, I mean, yeah, they they gave away that game. The Lions probably shouldn't have won. They probably should have beat the Bears. We are where we're supposed to be, I feel like right now. But I think there was some positive. And Jim, I, I'd be curious to, if there was anything that stood out to you positive on the defensive side of the ball in particular. Was there anything, or you just are you just done with the team, or what, what, where are you at right now? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Sure. So what I would say is the defense was awful to start the season and those criticisms that I leveled and many of you leveled were warranted. And uh, by the same token, I will offer up some, I, I guess, some praise. Uh, shutting down Jacksonville doesn't really impress me, but slowing down Atlanta is noteworthy. And I think stopping the run was critical. For them. 
them. It let them send some unique pressures. It let them mix their coverage and set, sit back a little more. Stopping the run, so give credit to the defensive line, stopping the run I think is the biggest reason why they've gone from one and three to three and three, and it's the biggest reason why if they're going to rattle off a few more and make it interesting, um, it, that would be why. Yeah, I, I agree completely. To, to kind of touch on some stats, coming into the game, Atlanta was fourth in total yards per game at 419 and averaged 27 points per game. Uh, but the Lions held them to 22 points, including the freebie touchdown. Um, they also averaged 112 yards on the ground um, per game, and then the Lions only held them to 66. To Gurley, who I know there's, he's not what he used to be, but Holding Gurley to 2.7 yards average, I think you're doing something right. It's not just um, – I, I don't even know. I, I think you're doing something right, and I think it's something to build on, and I think that's really important, especially as you start coming into the – I hate seeing, saying easy because nothing is easy as Alliance fans, but it's the, it's the easier part of the schedule. And the part of the schedule that, you know, if you're worth anything of value, you win these games and make no question about it. Um, Atlanta, they went 7-14 on third down conversions, which is probably the biggest downfall, I think, of the defense on Sunday. Um, and I thought it was really weird because I think they, like we talked about, they shut down the run. They had them, you know, third and five, third and six, and they still found a way. I think that's something that they really need to improve on um, to heading into the, I don't know, th this type of schedule. you got to be good on third down defense to, to, be, to be in games. And they weren't, but they were still in it. So I guess I don't know what I'm saying. But that's <laughs> just the way I, I roll. Sam, I'll help you out. I'll help you out because Atlanta, uh, the third downs hurt them on the, the long drives, right? The, the long drive yeah. uh, to take the lead, not just the one in the fourth quarter, but the one prior where it was 98 yards Atlanta went, right? I mean, yeah. they, they took over because the Lions went four down, four down and didn't get it. And Atlanta goes 98 yards. I mean, I'd imagine quite a few third down conversions. If you don't get them off the field, you're eventually going to give up a touchdown. Yeah, no, I I agree completely on that. Yeah, I mean, what I saw with the with the run defense, you know, you you can say, as fans, you look at the stats, right? We just see what went wrong the first four games, and then we see what is going right now. Where we're trying to say, well, that's the reason, you know, they're getting better. It's also because of the lineups I think they're putting out there. So what I'm seeing in early downs, and I was trying to pay attention to this when I was looking back at tape um, after this game, is you you actually saw. Nick Williams, Danny Shelton, and John Penasini out on the defensive line with four different linebackers out there in, on early downs. So if they're playing a zone defense, you, you've got those big bodies. John Penasini's actually really under – I wish I had the pro football focus rating on him because, he's he to me, he's looking really good out there. And and so when you get those big bodies in the middle of the field and then you have four different linebackers, when you run into line, Tavai, another big linebacker, Jamie Collins, fast running all over the place – Jared Davis is nowhere to be seen, um, but you know, yeah, you're, you're creating the opportunity to stop the to the run, yeah, and they and to not get beat by their with the cornerbacks. They're running that zone defense, but I think that's also the reason why a guy like Matt Ryan with good weapons is also going to find those soft spots in the zone when you do have Jelani Tavai out there for a third down. What yeah. is he going to do? He he doesn't get back in the defense very far, right? So he's yeah. always caught too close in the in the defense, and then you've got the bubbles, the areas where there's room to run right behind him and and deep sideline. And any good quarterback is going to going to pick that up. Well, and over the course yeah. of a game you're going to figure it out. So so you know, fourth quarter, that's when you saw those longer drives where they couldn't get off the field on third down is they were just playing that zone defense a little bit too much in my opinion. 
but they're also running with a lot of young guys out there. Yeah, I, I think I heard that they were in zone 50% of the time. I think there, it was 50-50 man zone this week, um, which is a, a little bit up, I think, from from the week, the two weeks prior, I believe. Man or up for man or up for zone? Whatever, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. I can never Whatever. keep them straight. I just, I just know which one people want, and I know which one people – Everybody wants one thing. Yeah, and they, I think, the, I I think they were at like about 30 to 40% zone for a long time, and okay. now they're up to 50. So, that, so they're rolling with it a lot more often, um, especially in early downs, which I, I think you're just seeing. You know, they're, they're throwing a lot of guys out there, big bodies, and then they're just kind of spreading the field with all the defensive backs. Yeah, so, Jim, I'm curious what you think. So based on what Ryan's saying, like they're, they're committing to the run inside the middle with the, the defensive line and the linebackers. But I, I also think that our corners had one of the best games of the of the season without when we weren't at full strength. We were at full strength against the Bears. I think they played unbelievable until there, there was those injuries. But I think up until now that was the best, including Akuda. I'm curious to your thoughts where, where we're sitting with our, our secondary and particularly, particularly Akuda. Did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, so it's a good question. So early in the season – they played the Bears, and there were the injuries, and Patricia left inexperienced corners on islands in man coverage and rolled the red carpet out. I don't think it's a surprise that in the last couple of weeks, you guys are right, the zone coverage rates are up, and I think that helped because you do your job, right? Yeah. Occupy your zone, pass it on to the next guy. And, and, and not only that, the ability to mix up the coverage, even for a veteran like Matt Ryan, make him – process right make him take time to figure out is it zone is it man uh, and and being able to to confuse him even a veteran quarterback buys you an extra second buys you an extra half second and all of a sudden a guy like Okuda doesn't have to cover for four or five seconds and that's what the Lions were routinely having their corners do last year um, I, I think the other part of this is get the obvious passing situation so you can have more guys in coverage to help them out so in Patricia's first year, you got me saying nice things about him. In his first year, they actually stopped the run <laughs> with win. Snacks Harrison at the end of the season, and it was some of the best defensive football they've played. Yep. So if you believe the thought that bigger, beefy guys on early downs will lead to more third and longs, will lead to more guys in coverage and further disguising coverage, that's the blueprint for this team to go from one and three to seven and three, and then all of a sudden December is a December that Lions fans are going to sweat out. That we've been hoping for for – 70 years sweat out like no that. that's the right way to put it sweat out yeah <laughs> right um uh, no i i agree so i think we're I, I think another thing that you brought up there with bringing uh the guys in coverage but it also loosens up uh the defensive line to be able to strap up and absolutely go after the quarterback i think we've seen more pressure i think uh, one thing that i think is a ma massive issue is when we get pressure we cannot seal the deal we cannot take the quarterback down for whatever reason um, we just bounce off of them. I think they're surprised to actually get to the quarterback, first of all, so they don't know what to do. Um, but at least we're getting pressure. It's just hopefully. they haven't had that practice. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're like, whoa, I'm here. I don't know what to do with it anymore. Um, but so obviously the big news today, um, I, real quick, Aquara I think is starting to come into his own. He's gotten four sacks now. I think he's really become pretty good. But I also think we just got his replacement here. I was listening to uh, Big Drew and Jim earlier, and they, they broke the news. It was right before 5 o'clock, I think. Um, all of a sudden, so Everson Griffin, the Lions traded a conditional six-round pick for Everson Griffin for from the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, have you ever been more excited about a trade deadline acquire or acquisition, I should say, um, Jim, on, on, for the Lions? I mean, this basically is we're going for it at least this week, and we'll see if we lose and see what happens. But, I mean, 
Where, where do you feel about this? I, I turned you guys off at that point because I'm on my way home, or I just got out of the no, car, I should say. But you're, you're good. We didn't get into it as much as I would have liked just because of everything else that was going on. I mean, Drew's, Drew's send-off was the priority today. Tomorrow, I can't wait to talk more about it. I yeah. think the last time they did this, I kind of made reference to They traded, what, a, a fifth-round pick for Snacks Harrison in 2018? Yeah, sounds right. And, and this is only a six-round pick, and it's conditional at that. I don't know what the conditions are, but – I think the conditions are their jobs are on the line. <laughs> right. And, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And they go, we'll worry about a 2021 pick for somebody else's problem. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we released, really not that we much released fourth and, round and picks before they clarity. get a chance anyways. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we don't need a sixth round pick. We released all those fourth round picks anyways and let them go to the Eagles for nothing or fifth, fifth round fifth or whatever round. it was. Don't get me started. Sorry, I interrupted you there. but uh, <laughs> No, you're good. Listen, they, they need help rushing the passer. It was the one of the biggest – I think it was the biggest need this offseason, and I don't think it was addressed. We were watching Jadavian Clowney intently. Griffin's name came up because he was cut by the Vikings. Yeah. Ends up going to Dallas. Dallas is no good, and he's available. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about it. We'll see if that's just the beginning. I think you can add a, another wide receiver maybe, I think would be a, another thing that uh, if if we're really buying, that is, I think, an important thing. Um, unless we finally woke up Marvin Jones from his coma um, from March 2020, yeah, you know, coronavirus. to him doesn't mean he's going to separate <laughs> right. any more than he normally but does. But anyway, I, I think it, it's a sign. I think it tells the team going into this game, um, hey, we're, we're, we're in this just as much. It, it, we, we think we're in this. So um, before we move forward past the lines, I did want to talk a little bit about the offense. Um, I thought it was a little bit of a disappointment, which, again, is weird. When you look at the numbers, uh, we already mentioned it earlier, I, I mean, I want to start on the running game. Can we all admit that the AP experiment? I th- all right. So when AP was signed, I didn't like it. After week one, I was like, it was the right decision. I was wrong. I still think it was the right decision, but I think it's just as important to understand when it's time to push him aside. I I don't like the amount of carries he's getting. I don't like the commitment to him, Jim. I mean, wh- where? What do you think about AP? Does he still have a place on the team? Is it just time to tell him, hey, sorry, you might have had these promises, but it's time to give the kids the rein here? You said promises, and I think that's what happened here. Reading between the lines and the tea leaves from Daryl Bevel, Bevel had a relationship with Peterson, and I'm sure he promised him a pretty prominent role because who wants to join the Lions at 35 years old? It's not like this is a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. So you probably gave him some assurances. Now, I was okay with it at the time. Maybe it sounds like a little more than you were because running backs are brittle. I mean, they break down. So you can never have enough. And if he was in a depth role, I think you, all of us, would be a little more comfortable. Definitely. It's to the point now where it is cutting into Swift's workflow. I think Swift is the best running back in the backfield. And there are times where you're, you're pulling out your hair going, why isn't he in the game? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not only like is he taking uh, snaps from Swift. It's we're trusting him to try to pick up that fourth and one or fourth and two, or that third and one, whatever. Like there was twice that he got stopped. In one was a fourth down play. I think it was right at the goal line. He got stuffed. That was the ninety-eight dri- yard drive that it turned into. But also the the third and one where he got stuffed. Luckily the guy was offside, so we got the first down anyways. But he got stopped again, and that is a massive problem. And I'm sorry, but I'm not going to blame the offensive line. I think the offensive line is doing a very good job. Um, so I don't think they're the issue on that. The the I, offensive line was ranked number one in the NFL going into this week for run efficiency, for for run blocking. That. 
and if AP can't find the holes, then I think that's a him problem, not an offensive line yeah, problem. I just think if you if you have him on the field for all of these crucial downs, you're taking away your best athlete on the team, your best weapon on the team on the field that you know, like if you're a creative mind on offense, you could throw him anywhere on the field and now the defense has to account for Swift. You know, even if it's not going to him. Uh with with Adrian Peterson, it's, they just become one-dimensional, or his his part of the weapon or being a weapon on offense is very one-dimensional. They know he's going to get the ball and run up the middle somewhere. You know, so as long he's as they just to bring the house, yeah. And, so uh, yeah. either they're going to play action or they're going to give it to him. When Swift is just way more dynamic of a of an offensive weapon. Yeah. So a couple more things that I want to touch on on the Lions. I think so. The Lions scored on six of ten possessions. I think that right there, yeah, a couple – or was it three field goals, one missed field goal? When you're scoring on more of your drives than you're not scoring on, I think you that is a recipe to win. But I also think that this offense is a problem. I, I don't know what it is because I still trust Stafford. He still looks absolutely unbelievable. Um, the, he has weapons to work with. I, I think the separation is something that I think all of us agree on. Jim, I know you guys bring it up on your show all the time. The separation with the wide receivers – is not there. I mean, is that really what's holding this this offense back? I think when you look at some of the best offenses in the NFL, they're aggressive. I think the same thing about defense, for the record, too. And I look at the team like the Seattle Seahawks. I know they lost on Sunday Night Football, but look at the percentage of early down throws they have when those are obvious run situations and they come out pushing the ball down the field. It's not a surprise to me that no matter who the OC is for the Lions, they are their most dangerous in schoolyard situations, two-minute drills, where yep. they say, Stafford, go be a gunslinger. Um, when you get yourself in these situations where you force yourself to be balanced, you're taking away what is the strength of this football team. The running game is supposed to be there to help accent the pass. Yeah. Stafford's a franchise quarterback, and he showed him that again on Sunday. The offense really should be about him and accenting his skill set. Um, and I actually think the receivers who don't separate, which is damn near all of them, would be more <laughs> of a problem under a different quarterback. Stafford can get the ball to damn near every blade of grass on the field, and I think it's what allows those receivers to look better than they would be in a different offense. I, I agree with you guys. I'd love it if they were running seven yards by the defender and it was just pitch and catch. I mean, how much fun would that be? I, I do wish the Lions had – at least one more burner on the team that could do that. Yeah, for sure. Or at least utilize the burner that you have, right? Yeah. Well, there you go, yeah. <laughs> um, so we, I did want to talk a little bit about the buying and selling thing. I think we're, we're, I don't want to dig into any more of our time. I think we already know that the Lions are at least a buyer this week, and we'll see what happens. They gave up basically nothing for a very good player. Um, I also uh, just want to jump into some college football before we run out of time with you, Jim. And, again, if, you, if you're if you running short on time, please just let us know. Um, let, let's just start with uh, Michigan State. I'd love to get your thoughts on them. Um, obviously, it was very, very ugly. Um, but look, I'm curious what you really think about how bad that, that, that game was. I have a bunch of stats, but I don't want to get into it. Uh, for time's sake, but where, where are you? Where, what are you thinking? So I'm sure the first stat you had written down was seven turnovers. Yeah, because I know that's. <laughs> oh, did they turn it over seven times? Oh, I missed that. <laughs> Man, that's... listen, I thought Michigan State was a real rough job for Mel Tucker to take. Um, I don't know that people thought they were going to lose to Rutgers, which I think is what caught people off guard, but. 
I think even Spartan fans knew this team wasn't going to be very good. Mark D'Antonio had a losing record in the Big Ten the last four seasons. And when you get a little closer to his, his final season, you realize the old line had crumbled. Uh, the defense that was once a calling card was no longer a shutdown unit. And last year alone, they were blown out in every single game of consequence, whether it's Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. This program was in shambles. Then D'Antonio leaves after signing day. So Tucker can't get his own guys. A yeah. pandemic hits, so he doesn't get a spring game or normal summer and fall practices. I mean, they might win a game this year. And, and I, I say that because Rutgers was supposed to be one of their wins. And when you lose that game, it's like, man, it's going to be an ugly. If there ever was a year zero, this is it for a coach. Right, yeah. I think that's a good way to put it, year zero. It is not going to be pretty, and I, I think we had their floor. We did we did the the introduction to the season last week, okay? Yep. And I think we all had their floor at what two and two two and six two and six, and, and but Rutgers was the was the circle, right? Like we were trying to find wins on their schedule. We're trying to be unbiased because most of us are are majority Michigan fans. We're trying to be unbiased, and that like once you lose to Rutgers, how can you look at the schedule and feel good about any of those games moving forward? I just don't know. I don't see it. I still think Mel Tucker was a good hire. I think it was the right thing, but he, he's left the program in shambles. And I don't know. I mean, I don't see moving forward, how you can feel good about going into any of these games, unless, you know, unless they, they change to a young quarterback, which again, I think for a college program, if you have trust in a quarterback, and especially a young quarterback that could energize the rest of the team, everybody else on that team, including the coaches. And then, and then maybe you get some sort of life. Now, I'm not talking about wins. I'm just talking about life in the program. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. All right. So the other side of the, of the, the field here, we got Michigan. Um, we'll actually get, we'll get into more of the breakdowns. Um, once, once you sign off for the day, um, so I'm curious to so your just overall thoughts of Michigan. Obviously it's just one, one impression here. Uh, but what are you obviously Joe Milton is exciting, right? Um, but overall, I, I would love to hear Jim Jim Casas' thoughts on on Michigan football heading into this rivalry week. You just want to hear me say nice things, don't I you? Do. I do. I love I love it. And uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh coached a great game, right? Right. He looked good in those blue pants too. I mean, come on, let's, let's just have let's talk good about Jim Harbaugh. We could do that, you might right? Be something there, with blue pants. <laughs> right. Uh, here's the deal. I, I was as smug as it can be when it comes to Michigan because they hadn't performed on the road, especially against ranked teams. I think the stat was 0-7 outside the state of Michigan against ranked teams. Yeah. And that was a big boy win. They opened up the season. And I'm not going to diminish Minnesota because they had some COVID cases. Michigan still had to go out and play a, a competitive and impressive brand of football. And I think they checked both those boxes. Milton's going to be a guy I know you guys talk about, and I can talk about him if you'd like. But what really impressed me was the O-line. Because mm -hmm. Michigan started the game with a penalty, with a blocked punt, and with a, a touchdown. And you're going, boy, here we go again, right? I'm sure even Michigan fans are going, here we go again. Oh, yeah, I said But it. then to respond the very next drive with a 70-yard run, and then for the O-line to pave the way to 250 yards, eight yards a carry, like seven different ball carriers. I mean – Sam, I think you could have run behind that O-line during that game. Uh, and, and I, I say that as bit too, that little, being the biggest little bit too nice, but. <laughs> I drink a little too much craft That's beer for that. four new offensive linemen, and I would not have known that by mm. watching. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, I wouldn't have known that by watching the game. And I'll say this too. Uh, one last thing on that point, and then I know you guys got more you want to ask and talk about. 
Um, Michigan's offense feels ahead of its defense, maybe for the first time under Jim Harbaugh, and give Gaddis some credit to that. And why I think that's significant is, no disrespect, you still have to win with defense. But I think ultimately in college football now, it's not 1997, you have to score. Look at the national title scores. Uh, Whoever wins that game typically scores in the 30s or even 40s, I think, most seasons. So the question is, if you're going to take the leap as a program, it's going to be because you play good defense and great offense. I'm not willing to proclaim them a great offense yet, but that was a big step for Michigan. Yeah. Listen, something that's attractive to me is when you look across the board, across the roster, all these kids are young. We're not looking at a ton of fifth-year seniors, seniors, juniors. You're looking at a lot of freshmen, sophomores, redshirt sophomores. That's super appealing than what we've been used to. Well, and then add on onto that the the eligibility going into this year being a COVID year. I, they're not. They're, they're not. Yeah. They're not losing in a year either. So this is really valuable experience for these young guys who could end up being you know 23, 24 year old seniors some of them i'm not yeah. saying you know most of them will probably end up in the nfl but. hopefully i yeah, mean hopefully. I, I hope that it's an issue that they are leaving early right like that's what we all want as as college fans is as bad as you don't want to see your guys leave early the guys that leave early are the ones that are going to push you to the edge and guys that make you winning big 10 championships uh national championships or being like at least close to it and i think what we're seeing with michigan is if it's not this year they are building in the right direction they're getting coached up well. I think speed and space is a real thing. I thought it was myth- mythical last year because it wasn't shown um, with uh, Shea Patterson, but I think Joe Milton fits that mold perfect along with the wide receivers. I, I think that's another big thing that I think we, sh- we should bring up is, yeah, we lost a lot of wide receivers, like two or three, right? Was it Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and uh, Tariq Black, our three yep. three over four top top. Uh, producers, but these guys actually fit what we're what Michigan is trying to do, and I think that's very important. Yeah, you lost big names, but you're replacing them with the right names, the right skill set, the right fit for what Michigan is trying to do. I think I, I texted Mike and I was like, "This is the most this offense has ever looked to an Ohio State offense," and I think that's exactly what big, uh, Michigan is trying to build towards is an Ohio State offense. Is that fair to say, Jim? I mean, when you look at the run threat from the quarterback, it feels a little bit like that. And, and I know Milton's arm is the thing that everybody was talking about in, in this offseason. I love the poise. I love not forcing it and going through his progressions. And I love the fact that they have a run element now at quarterback. That does feel very Buckeye-esque. Yeah, for sure. It, it sure felt natural within the offense, too, didn't it? I mean, it just was. it wasn't like they relied on him running, but it always seemed to come at the perfect time. It did. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he would just not force it. He would just sit back there, wait, wait. He kind of looked yep. like he was a running back just waiting for the hole to open. Like he was very patient while he was running the ball. He would find the gap, get his yards. And I think, you know, Jim, what you brought up about the way the game started, that's something that we haven't had under the Jim Harbaugh era. I mean, we haven't had uh, poise like that. We haven't had composure when things go wrong. Everything seems to be in chaos if one thing goes wrong, and we've seen that one thing go wrong an awful lot, just random things happen to, to Michigan in recent years. It, it happened again. It started the season this way against a really good team and a lot of threats, and we came back and immediately 
They put took it control. To yeah, with the run and the defense, too. You know, they, they get jumped right back in this game and took control on the road. I know the fans weren't there, but still on the road. Yeah, this, the speed of both the offense and defense, I think, is very interesting to see. We'll see if it's fast enough for the big guys in, in the Big Ten. It worked against Minnesota, who is, I mean, an up-and-comer, to say the least. Um, but I, I think we will learn a lot more about this team. As you move across the schedule, I don't want to overlook the win against Minnesota because everybody was looking at Minnesota as... As, hey, this is the this is the up and coming. This is who will jump Michigan. You still have the Penn State ahead of them. You still have Wisconsin ahead of them. You have Don't Ohio State ahead of them. Indiana. But yeah, Indiana's oh. another good one as well. But uh, Jim, I really appreciate. It. We're gonna cut the podcast here very soon. But I wanted to really thank you uh, for for joining us tonight. Uh, it was really nice of you to t- take some time out of your day. I know it was an emotional day for you guys with with uh, Drew uh, Drew's last day. And just the fact that you made time for us and our listeners is is greatly appreciated. Um, and just really thank you very much for that. Well, no, I mean, thank you guys for asking me. I, I really am flattered. I, I mean, no problem doing it on a day like today where, quite frankly, it's, it's something to keep my mind off of, of, of the emotion from today's show. And I, I love talking sports. I got into this because I love talking sports. I, I've done the podcast stuff and, and it's, it's fun. So anytime you guys need me, I'd love to come on and chit chat with you guys because this is fun for me. This, this is what we do, right? We talk sports with our friends. So uh, anytime you need me, let me know. Yeah. I really appreciate it, Jim. All right. Well, thank you again to Jim. Really appreciated him coming on. Uh, I did want to bring up some technical difficulties that we did go through. Um, I was so stressed about a lot of different things that this cord right here, for the people that are watching, this little thing was up just a, just the slightest bit, and it really screwed up our list, our, our sound uh, for a lot of that uh, podcast. So that that ah, uh, I'm, I'm so, you should have you should have seen <laughs> Sam like he was he was raging between segments here. I mean, I just, we just rage, got him calmed down. Yeah. I don't know if raging is the right word. You were pretty much raging. I was I was close, yeah. and I'm and yeah. it's directed toward myself, and I I'm mad at myself. But we lived, we learned. Uh, next time he's on, or next guest that comes on, we're, we're we know what we got we better got. setup now. Better setup, and actually another Living thing, like learn. another cord that we got rid of, so you're not getting the feedback for the people that are uh, listening and watching. So that's that's positive. But hey, really appreciate you guys uh, just sticking with us and supporting us. And honestly, the the biggest compliment you can give us is is reaching out to Jim and thanking him for joining our podcast. Let him know that you guys were listening. Let him know that uh, you know. You appreciated him taking time out for for a podcast that you guys listen to. That would mean a lot to us, mean a lot to him, I'm sure, as well. And that would be a really, really good feedback, the type of feedback I think uh, we want our guests to get from from our audience. So if you guys get a chance to do that, that would be great. Um, we are going to jump into just some stuff that we kind of wanted to move on quick from. Uh, where where we were talking Michigan, Michigan, right? yeah. We ended with Michigan, so I think we need to talk about just the overall breakdown of, of the Michigan game, uh, and and get into a little bit of the numbers. Uh, number eighteen, Michigan went into number twenty one, Minnesota, and beat them forty nine to twenty four behind a good all around effort uh, from both sides of the ball. Milton looked solid in his first career start, going fifteen to twenty two for two hundred twenty five yards and a touch, passing touchdown, and also rushed for an additional touchdown with fifty two yards on the ground on eight 
QB carries. Uh, he completed passes to nine different players uh, with Ronnie Bell uh, making four catches for 74 yards. Uh, on the ground, Haskins, 82 yards. On six carries, two touchdowns. Charbonnet uh, had a 70 yard, uh, 70 yards on four carries, all in one uh, 70 yard touchdown run. Uh, defensively, they played dynamic. They played fast. Five sacks, one pick, a, fo- a fumble. Um, but but they did allow Minnesota's best players to make some plays, which I think need to be brought up. Uh, running back Mohammed Ibra- Abraham, Ibrahim, 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 Ibrahim. Uh, to get 140 yards rushing, and Rashad Bateman uh, had nine catches for 101 yards. Uh, so let's start on the defensive side of the ball. I think the defense looked very fast. They looked very athletic and very hard hitting. Um, it was great to see. Uh, I already mentioned the numbers, but I mean they were dominant, really, outside of the numbers. What were you guys' first initial thoughts on on Michigan's defense? Fast. That that was kind yeah. of the word that comes to mind. Fast, yeah. fierce, strong, Micah. strong up front, right? Or Ryan? Yeah, yeah. G- good tackling. Um, th- there were there were a lot of good playmakers for Minnesota, and to be quite frank, I mean, you didn't see Rashad Bateman get loose too often. You didn't see Abraham or whatever. Yeah, his just name call him Ibrahim. 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 <laughs> you didn't see him get loose. I mean, he he bounced around the edge a couple times, but. Nothing got out of hand, really, with the defense. I mean, they they stuck to their game plan and took care of business. Yeah, I I agree. A couple names, Josh Ross, seven tackles, an interception. Hutchinson, six tackles. Quiddy Pay, two sacks. Carlo Kemp, two tackles and a sack. Uh, On the defensive side, I mean, is there a particular player, or was it just a full-out unit type thing? I, I think a lot of players stood out, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. But as a whole, they played as a complete unit. And it was really exciting to see. Yeah, I think there are so many pl- – Mike and I were talking a little bit ago, and you could really go position by position all the way down the line have yep. something to say about each one. Yeah. And either we were impressed or maybe maybe got beat a little bit, but overall really, really impressive. You know, Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson were dominant. They were men. Unreal. They were. They, they were, looked like men amongst boys. And that's what we were hoping for. That's such a big thing with any defense is getting pressure, but but they're not just pass rushers. They're not just a Josh Uche, yeah. you know. No. They they are the ones who are out there for all three downs no matter what situation. They're always out there. They're competing against the run, you know, they're they're getting to the quarterback. They are always going to be a mismatch against whatever offensive line they're going against. And and they're they're guys that expect to win the matchup so the thing that was impressive to me that uh herb street pointed out when we were watching was they were taking quitty pay from one side to the other and he was doing the same work they he wasn't just on on that strong side or that weak side for the majority of the time he was being flip-flopped and he was still doing work yeah and getting it done and if you can move him all over the field and you never know where he's coming from I mean, good luck with that. Yeah, and they're both doing it though. Aiden, you know, when he moves to the other side, Aiden Hutchinson's going to the other side too. So I mean, they're they're very dynamic. It, it's really awesome to see. I just loved you. You saw the you know some of them. Sometimes they were standing up. Sometimes they weren't. Sometimes they were kind of thrown off to the left side and right side. I mean, they were lining up all over the place and they filled in with their linebackers. And you couldn't talk about this Michigan defense without bringing up Michael Barrett, who was a beast all over the field. Yeah, unreal. They pointed absolute, him out several times. Absolute yeah. playmaker, and he is the viper. We talked about how how 
you know, Harbaugh loves the Viper position. This defense relies on it. It's it's so critical. Who did they lose last year? They lost the last couple of years. We've had uh, Uche. Hudson, Uche. Kalik Hudson was the Viper for this team the last couple of years, and he yeah. always looked a little slow against yeah. great competition. You did not – there's no way Michael Bear could be slow. Like you, you see him on the field. He flies <laughs> He's around. Insane. He's a, an, a, an incredible athlete. You just look what he look, look what he did on that that kick return that he actually got his yeah. hands on. Like that shows his athleticism and his speed and just the, the type of football player he is. He's a football player, and I'll take a guy like that on my team on any side of the ball, anytime, any day. And, and that's the other thing that you brought up, Micah, is just the speed of this defense. It was so impressive, especially with all the young talent that they have on the field at cornerback, at safety, even linebacker. But all these guys can run. Yeah. Quick quick plug on special teams, though. Hassan Haskins. Did you see him on that fake punt? It was awesome. It drove his shoulder down, like just perfect. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, that was a really weird former call, linebacker. Too. So he, he's basically like a – a 1B to, I would say, Charbonnet is probably like the 1A running back. Yeah. But out there on special teams, he dominated that guy that tried to get that edge yeah. come around from that, that fake punt, and he drove him into the ground. He saw that a mile away. It was awesome. <laughs> that, has, the way Haskins, that he, a running back, converted linebacker, our, yes. converted running back. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? So. right. Uh, I do think that the run defense will need some improvement. I think it will be interesting to see as time goes forward uh, if that was just – a really good running back that they were facing, a really a decent offensive line, or, or at least for the running the ball's sake. Uh, I want to say improvement on that. I think Michigan State will be a good test for that because they have a couple guys. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. I think can, that was can interesting. I, can but, I bring yeah, up yeah, one thing on yeah. that? Because I, I agree that they needed to be a little bit better. That, that was a good running back that we were facing. Abraham, yeah. Is a, yeah. he was shifty. He was good. And I, what I saw personally, and I don't know if the stats back this up, but I saw a guy who was – running into a wall in the front, and then he was very, very good at bouncing the ball outside and finding the daylight where it was. And our linebackers were not quite disciplined enough to stay to the outside and fill their gaps. Okay, They were very aggressive and jumped in the middle, and that's when we got beat. The other thing I want to point out is most of his yards came in the second half. He had two or three great drives himself in the second half for Minnesota, and and we had a lot of young guys on the field at that point. I mean – you know, at that point, Daxon Hill was not on the field. He had a little injury going on. Yeah. Uh, who filled in for him? Makari Page filled in for him. So we had a young guy there. We had uh, David Ajabo playing linebacker out there. Ben Van Summeren played a bigger role. Uh, Cam McGrone wasn't on the field the whole time. So, I mean, it was it was a little bit different. I think that they mixed up the defense. And what I loved about the game overall is you had so many players making an impact, especially these yeah. young guys, getting on the field and getting game experience against a really good Minnesota team. Good collective effort, for sure. Yeah, so uh, before we jump to the offensive side of the ball, we've had a couple of comments that uh, people are asking where they can find Jim Costa. Uh, you can li- either listen to the earlier part of the episode where, where he talked about his Facebook page, uh, but Jim you might Costa. not be able to hear that, though. Um, that's a great point, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you Sorry. for, for bring, opening up uh, those wounds. Um, but he's also on Twitter, which he does most of his work on, at Jim Costa, or uh, you could also reach out to their, their uh, page. ESPN 96.1 um, is a lot of their 
uh, that's where that's where he works. He runs all of that. So reach out to him there too if if you want to. So uh, again, that that would be a great uh, way to let him know you're listening. But let's jump over to the offensive side of the ball, and it has to start with Joe Milton. Um, I mean, what else can you say about him? He looked really good. He led the team after an absolute miserable start. And I wanted to bring this up when we were talking to Jim, um, but like he 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 brought up the um, just the disastrous start. I mean, the pump block, and then like the good play, then the touchdown, and all of that, and then just. I know it was the run, Charbonnet's seventy-yard touchdown run. That was a big key to that. But it like, I felt like the the aura and the the poise. And Ryan, I'm sorry if I took that from you, but like the poise of Milton had something to do with that too. Like we weren't, they weren't afraid of what just happened because the S hit the fan right then and there. Like it could have gone to be a disaster right there, in a lot of ways. But it was it, it was calm. It felt like, and I and I know I might be overestimating that that specific play in in the the leadership that I think he brought to that, but I think that had something to do with how there wasn't panic, and it was just no, let's just go out and do what we do. We're gonna make this happen. That that was kind of his body language and his persona in the pocket, and then off the field on the sideline. He he's very calm and collected. He's a, he's a different type of guy. He just is. Yeah, um, Ryan, you said you wanted to bring up something about Milton earlier. Did, did I already steal that from well, you? Well, no, you, yeah, you basically hit the nail on the head. I mean, he, I think the game starts and ends with the quarterback. So the team will, the energy from the team feeds off of him. If they have confidence in a quarterback, that's when the the team as a collective comes around to to join in and they're not going to lose confidence because they know their quarterback is ready for the challenge. Yeah. And I think we have seen so many Michigan teams uh, in recent years, if anything goes wrong, especially early on in games in the first or second quarter, if something happens like a block punt, like what we saw happen and they, and you get down, they start hanging their heads or you see that overly hyped up energy where they're all trying to convince themselves that everything's okay. Mm. And I think that's a little bit of what we've seen in recent years with quarterbacks is the over hype, the over, um, I don't know, overconfidence. They're just trying to convince everybody to be confident rather than being confident. And there's a difference no, between I, the two. I think that's a great way to explain the difference between Shea Patterson and Joe Milton. Yeah. Joe Milton is actually confident. Yeah. No, I think you, you hit that on the head there. Um, I, I think, the the accuracy downfield can can improve the poise or the the touch can improve but yep. it was also the kid's first career start on the road I'm like you said no fans but it's still on the road still in a very tough and like just a mental environment I guess like every the whole world's looking at this dude and he didn't shake a stick at it I think he had like a, like I said a couple I mean thirty yards down the field accuracy issues or a little bit of touch issues. He's going to figure that out with time more than anything. I'm not concerned about it. It was just something that I noticed. The weapons on on the offensive side of the ball fit what this offense is trying to do, but I, I do think we should move to Michigan State Rutgers just a little bit before we get into the Michigan-Michigan State game, if you guys are good with that. Can I bring up one more thing? Yeah. I'm sorry yeah. to do this. I loved on the offense to see, you know, the game was not all about throwing or passing. It was about rushing, mm-hmm. right? Joe Milton ran the ball when he needed to. We already touched on that. What I loved about the passing game is they got A.J. Henning involved. They got Roman Wilson involved. They got all of these young guys on the field. Sandistrill, you know, Giles Jackson, Ronnie Bell. There, there were probably some others. I don't know. They, they spread the ball all over the place. First play of the game, Blake Corum, are you kidding me? The true freshman running back who we think is a stud. We now see it on the field that he's a stud. But they didn't just shy away from him. They threw him out there 
play number one and to see what he could do. And they weren't just content with running the ball up the middle for a three-yard gain. They went to one of their playmakers. And I also want to point out, sorry, one other thing. <laughs> Two fumbles in the game, right, that Michigan recovered. Two yeah. fumbles. Uh, or no, no, sorry. No, one, one. Blake Corum fumbled. What happened? They went right back to him. They put the ball right back in his hands. Yep. A true freshman. They gave him that confidence right back. Also, Eric All. Eric All, right, the tight end. Yeah. Yep. He dropped the pass, the big touchdown. Yep. Oh, that's right. He they, dropped he that one big pass. They went right, they went back, right to back to him, the exactly the same thing. So when somebody was making a bad play or something happened to them, Harbaugh said, No, 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 you're not you're not gonna get in that mindset. Yeah. No, that's very good insight right there. I, I really, really like that. Um unfortunately we do have to talk about Michigan State. Um I don't believe it. And you. I'm not just saying that as as a Michigan fan, I'm ta- saying that as a state of the Michigan fan, and that was an absolute disaster. Uh, the Mel Tucker era uh, <laughs> did not start out the way we all hoped. They lost to Rutgers, their first Big Ten victory since 2017, uh, behind Rocky Lombardi's seven er, sorry two interceptions, and they also had five lost fumbles uh, to lose the turnover battle seven to three. Uh, I thought uh, we're gonna try to get through this quick. Does that so, set a record. It has to. It has seven turnovers. Ten total for the game? Oh, ten turnovers. Yeah, for the game. There's a really good chance. Um, Other than interceptions, I thought Rocky Lombardi looked pretty good. He went 31 of 44 for 319 yards and three touchdowns. I thought he looked decent. Um, Not nearly good enough for the way that they played elsewhere, but I think good enough for when you have a complete effort. Um, I don't think he – I think – I don't think he lost the job in that week is what I basically want to say. Um – but we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, Jaden Reed is favorite was his favorite target with 128 yards catches or 128 yards runs on a le- <laughs> 128 something yards. like it's been that. a long receiving. night, guys. Sorry, <laughs> 20 or, yeah receiving 11 catches with two touchdowns. Uh, Naylor also had 84 yards on six catches and a touchdown. The running game was a huge disappointment. Uh, Jordan Simmons leading the way with 43 yards on 14 carries and only had 60 total rushing yards as a team. It was ugly. The turnovers is obviously the biggest thing. Uh, Jaden Reed, I think, looks like a legitimate weapon. Uh, I mean, this particular game just felt like everything went wrong. Everything went wrong, and they still had a chance to flip the script, so I don't think that this team was as bad as they looked on Saturday. But I also don't want to give Spartan fans any hope because they look way behind the eight ball with talent, organization, and everything else that goes into the game of football. In this particular game, MSU was extremely unprepared. And Greg Schiano wanted to make a statement, and he did exactly that. Mm -hmm. He was not going to go into Sparty Stadium and get shamed. Yeah, He he doesn't want the the Chris Ash mentality to even show up one bit and he changed that narrative real quick yeah I, I think that that's one thing that you have to also have to look at with Rutgers is they were better than I think we all thought yeah um so I think it was a mix of one of the worst games Michigan State could ever play against a team that was probably playing their best football that they've played in a very long time yeah and probably won't play that good again I, um, I don't know how you can you can talk about you know Michigan State had seven turnovers and was still with in the game yeah because they were playing Rutgers yeah they they broke a streak of three years without having a Big Ten win. I mean that that's an embarrassing loss for State. I don't think you need to sugarcoat it at all. No, I it's, I, I agree with it's you. Completely. Really really bad. I think Jordan Reed is a, a bright spot. I think they're Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed, sorry, yeah, Jordan Reed was a tight end from yeah, NFL <laughs> in a long time. Yeah, Jaden Reed is a bright spot, but I also just think you know the quarterback play. 
You could say it wasn't the worst. It didn't lose in the game. I'm sorry. You're, again, you're playing Rutgers. I don't think it was good enough to, to in a shortened year, to, to stick with it. I think they need to move on. They need to try to find something for the future. It's not going to be this year. It's not. You just lost to, yep, to Rutgers. So move on. You yeah. know, Lombardi, sorry, you're, you're not it for me. Yeah, I, I do want to move on. I don't. I disagree with that. I, I want them to give him another chance, especially this week. Um, but I think it was a fluke. I really do think it was a fluke. I think Michigan State would win that game nine out of ten times against Rutgers. If you play, if this whole season was eight games against Rutgers, I think they would win seven out of eight, and then that would be the the oddball that just looks absolutely terrible. I think the seven turnovers speaks for itself. It was absolutely disgusting. Um, that they did that, <laughs> like you got to take care of the football, um, but you can't blame the coaches for fumbles, right? Mm, no, but <laughs> I've heard. Um, but I, like on a positive note, I think the majority of the mistakes that we saw, I mean, there were there were misassignments. There was just simply not knowing what they were doing on the field. It was very unorganized. They weren't prepared. That is all very correctable on film throughout this week. I don't think that they're going to come in and compete with Michigan, but I think they're going to take one of the biggest steps <laughs> that a team can make from the way they looked Saturday to what they could look like on this upcoming Saturday. Not yeah. saying that it's going to look better on the scoreboard, anything like that. It's going to look better, trust me, because any coach, I don't care if you're the best coach or the worst coach, you correct that crap that you saw on that field all day long. I just see I just see this game, you know, best case scenario for Michigan State, you punch them in the mouth. You are so amped up for this game in the rivalry that you you're your game, you're ready for the game. And and the game starts just like the Minnesota game started. That's what I see is like worst case scenario for Michigan, best case scenario for Michigan State. Sorry, Michigan's already gone through that. Yeah. You know, they took that punch. They kept their composure. They believed in their quarterback. Their defense made plays, and I just that that's gonna end up happening this game. Yeah. So let's talk about the game. So there is no way Michigan State is gonna win this game. They're, they're right. Like that is out the window. If it's, I don't if, see if, it. if it's if yeah. it happens, I'm putting the odds at 100. percent Yeah. So what do we expect to see? I I personally expect to see a good start from Michigan State. I think they're gonna improve from that. I think it's going to be a little bit. L- it's going to stay close longer than Michigan fans are expecting based on what you saw Saturday from both teams. But I think push comes to shove, the talent will dominate this game. It will be a blowout, but what type of blowout I think is going to be the question. Um, I, I don't really have the X's and O's or the matchup positives and negatives like we usually do for our, our matchups. But it, it well, Based on eye tests and what we've seen – it, it's it's just not going to be close. It could I, I get don't ugly. See it. Yeah, it, and it's basically just for Michigan State's sake, like try to get into the second halfway through the second quarter with. I don't want to say hope because you're not going to have hope, but like just not embarrassing that early, kind of like they did last year. Like it, it started out close. I think Michigan didn't score the first Correct. first half or first quarter. It was like I think seven nothing, maybe even ten nothing. I, I don't remember exactly, but like it was. Michigan fans were like, "Oh boy, this is this could be another one of those games." Eventually, the talent out out outplayed everything fall, fell in the line. Um, I think it could turn into that one of the games, one of those games, and I think that's best case scenario for the Spartans. So, um, I don't want to get any more onto that. We did want to do one more thing before we end this episode and start getting into our picks and our beer grades and all that good stuff. I know it's a little odd. Uh, Odd type structure here, but uh, with our guest Jim earlier, I think that just uh, it's worth 
worth uh, changing our being our weird. Usual. Yeah. yeah, being Let's a little different. Um, that and I'm selling that to myself because I I have a really hard time with with change, and you guys know that. So uh, I do want to get into the Michigan or sorry, the Detroit Lions in preview against the Colts. I'm trying to find the right sheet here, so if someone could take over and just start talking. That yeah, so great. I mean the Colts are coming off a of bye week. They are four and two at the moment, and Lions are three and three. So it feels like this game that you know both teams really need and want to decide which direction the season will go. And what's really important for the Lions right now is we've been talking about with the trade deadline are the buyers sellers. Obviously, with this coaching staff, they are going to be buyers throughout this time. We've already seen it with the addition of defensive end uh, Everson Griffin, Everson Griffin from the Cowboys. Um, you know, the Colts are in a similar situation where they're trying to figure out if they're going to try to compete in the stacked AFC if they're good enough for that or if maybe not their sellers or anything but it's going to really determine I think where this team ends up going where both teams end up going because Lions 4-3 versus 3-4 is a really big difference and 5-2 and for the Colts versus 4-3 and for the Colts I'm, again huge difference this is a critical time of the season and everybody's kind of coming to their own so let's you know see what where they're at at this point yeah so the offensive numbers really say that they're, they're pretty similar teams they're all just middle of the pack and basically every stat. Um, but then you look at the defense, and, and the Colts, by the numbers, have a much better uh, defense in the line. So I'm trying I, – I did this a little too small, so I'm going to try to read this here. Um, total yards, they are – yeah, I'm not even going to try. They're first in total yards defense. First best, you, you wrote down. First best total yards and passing yards against – and third in rush defense, and this does not oh. match, match up well for what we have seen. You want to keep reading or what? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> On a positive note, I'm off today. the games against the Jaguars, Vikings, Jets, and Bears help those numbers significantly. So they're playing not the best com- competition that we've seen, but it still is a concern because it uh, it very well may be that a good defense, that they had, do have a good defense, and we, although... The Lions, holy cow, I can't read this. Yeah, I know. It's impossible. I don't know how you do this. It's just like words that I just pick up on and then I, okay, I know what I'm I, Lions I have been a consistent offense. They haven't been, been flawless, but it is concerning that the Colts are, are rated that highly. So have they earned it against these bad teams? Maybe. Maybe not. We don't know. But they've also, they've they've done the job against them too, so that maybe they're legit. We don't know that. Yeah. Uh, a couple more things. The Colts' defense are averaging two interceptions uh, per game the last five games. And with wide receivers that don't create separation, um, Stafford will be throwing into small windows. And, and he will need to k- take care of the football and make sure that he's very confident with every throw he's going at. Also, those Colts have 10 sacks. So the offensive line wouldn't be on top of their game because if second you don't give that quarterback time, he's going to try to force ball. And this is the defense that will take those balls away. Um, so it is going to be very important for the Lions to take care of the football. Um, that's kind of more of a matchup that we dislike. Is there a matchup that we like going into this game, Ryan? I mean, is there something that, that sticks out to you that's like, hey, we do have a chance um, or this could be the turning point, basically. I'm I'm going to go again with DeAndre Swift. I think you have to make him the focal point of the offense. I like his athleticism against this defense, and if you're going to try to stop, you know, they, they have this uh, first against passing yards defense. That means, that means not abandoning your pass, but being creative with your pass. So mm-hmm. I, I think for the Lions – DeAndre Swift, we, we he didn't have the best game last game, but we know he's the best athlete on the team. We know that he 
is the best playmaker if we get the ball in his hands. Kenny Galladay will be Kenny Galladay. He's going to make those insanely difficult catches on those 50-50 balls where there's a whole bunch of contact, crazy body positions, and he somehow holds on to the ball. I don't know how he does it. It's insane. I, I think he's the best in the NFL at that. But again, you don't plan for those. Those are those are the crazy moments through the game that just are game-winning plays. And he had yeah. several of them the last game. DeAndre Swift needs to be a focal point of this offense for this game. Yeah, I think uh, a, a matchup that I really like going into this game is actually the, the Lions' defense against um, – and just their playmaking abilities heading into this game. I think we're starting to see take o- or, or turnovers. Um, and, and a guy – like, if you can get pressure on a guy like Phillip Rivers, he will make a dumb, dumb throw. And we have the playmakers that will take advantage of that. We jump routes, I think, better than people realize. Um, obviously, we watch every single snap, so it's it feels like an awful lot. I feel like we're jumping routes really well right now. I think we could expose Phillip Rivers for someone that used to be able to make these throws that doesn't have the body to do it anymore. And if, if, if he's just slightly off, we can jump it and we can take advantage of it. We did it against him last year when he was with the Chargers. I think he had three interceptions. Maybe it was two. I don't remember. One in the end zone. Um, but anyways, it was like I feel like the secondary and just the way that this defense is coming together right now could match up really well against this type of quarterback. I think the defense needs to take away his first option. Because our, okay. our defensive line, unless we start blitzing like crazy, we're not we're not going to get it to him before his planned number one option. Okay. And Philip Rivers, if you give a veteran quarterback that kind of um, predictability, like like basically what you're saying, you, you know, get pressure on him. Well, how do you do that? You take away his first option. So if they play aggressive with him, and I think you know Jeffrey Kuda, we've seen him 10, 15 yards sometimes off of the wide receiver. He's got really good closing speed, and that's been great in the zone. But Phillip Rivers can make that play quick, and now the pressure can't get to him, and that's what I want. I want. I want to play man press coverage against this team. I don't know. See what happens after that. But I think let's first challenge him, challenge his arm strength, challenge his ability to go through his progressions, and we'll see if our defense can get to him. Yeah, um, I agree. I like the way that our defense is playing against the run. I think we can contain J.K. Dobbins. Um, it'll be a different type of guy. He's more catching the ball out of the backfield, or he can be catch the ball out of the backfield type guy. I do have the right. Or is it Jonathan Taylor? Sorry, I get those. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Sorry, I apologize. I get those two confused all the time. Um, he he's more of that. He can be that guy, and that's where you got to be careful that he could expose you there. I I like the way we're playing. I like the way our linebackers are playing um, to take that type of player away. Um, I like our wide receiver depth. Not necessarily our the the wide receivers we have, but just the depth that we have for them. But a, a worry of mine is the Colts are very good against tight ends. So will we have that safety valve of Hawkinson, Jesse James type thing? Uh, it is a big big question mark. And Hawkinson coming off of uh, three straight games with a touchdown is a huge plus. If he's our only type, you know, red zone threat right now, that could be an issue against this type of team. So all in all, what do you expect to see uh, out of this game, Ryan? It's it's going to be a competitive game. I'm thinking kind of low scoring, something like 24 to to I don't know, 17, 24-21 or something like yeah. that. You know, like I I really do see this game coming down to the wire again. The Lions are always in that kind of situation, but the Colts are kind of too, especially yeah. this year. And so I don't I don't expect really anything different. I don't know. I think Jeffrey Okuda, we've seen him get better and better every single week, and that's going to be really important in this game. I'm locking in on Jeffrey Okuda and uh, Romeo Romeo Aquara, seeing if the pressure versus cornerback pressure. 
All right, fellas. You know that music. It is time to make our DeHops Brewing Company Cafe Picks of the Week. But before we do that, I want to remind everyone to stop into DeHops Brewing Company Cafe for some of the best beer in West Michigan. The family-friendly atmosphere is perfect for whatever you have going on. And if you mention State of My Sports, you can get a nice little discount when you carry out a crowler or on your first pint when you dine in. Whatever your beer of choice is, we know that DeHops will have something that you like just as much, if not more. Keep an eye out for some of their great beers at your local beer store, or you can carry out a six-pack of their Double Dry Hopped uh, New England IPA Seven Secrets. Stand Delicious, which is their incredible juicy IPA, is packed with mosaic hops and creates notes of pineapple and citrus. It's one of our favorites here on the podcast. It is soft on the palate and has just enough bitterness to pull you back in for another sip. Or the World Beer Championships Silver Medal Award winning Shadowbox Dark Lager. It is also sold in six packs. If you are not in the Walker area to carry out a six pack, be sure to ask your favorite beer store to start carrying to Hops Brewing Company Cafe. Uh, they have great beer. If you haven't started drinking it yet, go ahead and request it and uh, stop in and go get it. The Hops Brewing Company Cafe is the official brewery of State of My Sports in 2020, so please check them out and let them know that we sent you. All right. Thank you for doing that. Last results are in. In. Last week's results is what I meant to say. <laughs> uh, Micah went 3-2. and two. <laughs> Weird way of saying both <laughs> Uh, he is bringing up the rear at 17 and 17. Kyle is right ahead of him. At, he went three and two last week with an 18 and 16 overall record. Ryan, you had a nice week of four and one. Usually that brought do. you up to second place with 19 and 15. So and humble. here I am, one game ahead of you. Uh, <laughs> after humble. going four and one, I am 20 and 14. Allegedly, I'm gonna go pick. I'm gonna go listen to <laughs> the last listen. episode. I'm gonna see what you, you guys got. are very trustworthy people. I'll I don't tell trust you, that. you at all. Um, all right, so we got our picks. What we're gonna do is we're gonna start with our college game since uh, college music is going. Uh, so we'll start with Ohio State at Penn State. Penn State is plus eleven and a half. Uh, Kyle, who is not with us, so I'm gonna read his pick first. Uh, he took OSU, and that's what I'm gonna do as well. Uh, Penn State lost their starting running back. Actually, they're third string running back really he's, he's kind of the third man on, after everybody that opted out and all that good stuff so yeah. um i think ohio state runs away with this game i think penn state is in for a long year um uh, potentially so uh they're gonna go zero and two uh ryan you yeah, are next i agree with you ohio state on this one i don't i don't trust penn state's uh clifford right i don't i don't trust the yeah, quarterback i agree it, throwing the ball Running the ball, sure, you can scatter around and get some yards, but you know, not, not for a win. Not yeah. against Ohio State. Ryan, or er, Micah? Ohio State. Yeah, we're all Ohio State across the board there. We got a, one more college game to pick. Dun, it dun, is dun. the rivalry game. Michigan Eight State week. at Michigan. Minus yeah. 26. Ooh, yes. Brother. Yeah. <laughs> Your sound isn't still bad. I said minus twenty six. That's it, outrageous. And it's like it's kind of all between minus twenty six and minus twenty eight. It's kind of hovering Shifting around there. A lot. It is moving around a lot, but it is a lot of points for a rivalry game. Kyle took Michigan. I'm taking Michigan. I just look at it this way. I I think Michigan scores fifty, forty five. I don't know. They're gonna score a lot of points, and I just don't think Michigan State can score a whole lot of points. Uh, so that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go Michigan. Sounds like a lot of points, but that's where I'm rolling. Ryan? Michigan. Micah? Michigan. They almost scored 50 on Minnesota, so yeah. this Should've. is not going to be pretty. This is Michi- This is Minnesota's JV team. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <Little> <laughs> <brother>. Too far? 
Too far. All right. <gasps> what like, was that? I like this music a lot better. I think. This, this one gets me there. Yeah, that's good, yeah. We got two, gets me there. three NFL games to get at. We'll start with uh, not Thursday because it's garbage. Uh, we, we're going to start with Steelers at the Ravens, who are minus three and a half. Steelers undefeated, getting points on the road. Kyle took the Steelers. I'm taking the Ravens. I think the matchup works out well for the Ravens. I don't know why. I don't like the Ravens, but I also don't like the Steelers. So I'm going to go with the Ravens, though. Home yeah. team, they're going to win by a touchdown or something like that. I don't, I don't like either one either. It seems like the Steelers still have something to prove in this game. Even though they're the undefeated team, I'm going with the Ravens. Though I think they've they're the ones with more confidence in its real confidence, and they have confidence in their quarterback. And I don't know if the Steelers have that. All right, Micah. Ravens also. Yeah, I I really think the Ravens they they need it a lot more too. I think that's another like they're a little bit more desperate. They've been vulnerable. Um, they've been exposed already. Des Bryant for two TDs. You watch. Isn't he on their practice squad? <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's already so. scored those. All right, so we'll jump down to a division game uh, with the Chicago Bears in it. We got the Saints at Chicago Bears, who are plus three. Kyle took the Saints. I'm taking the Saints. There is no question in my mind what's going to happen in this game, but I'd be curious what you guys think. Uh, Saints, yeah. Bears suck. Micah? <laughs> I'm going to go with the Bears. <laughs> yeah? Yep. What? He's looking at Did you Gaines watch movie? their game on Monday Night Football? It was ugly. Of course I did. It was ugly. Yeah, I saw it. I just think the Bears are so overrated, they, guys. They, they have been ugly the whole year, but they're winning. Not against the Saints. Okay. All right, here we go. We got the Colts at the Lions. Lions are a two-and-a-half-point underdog at home. Kyle took the Colts. I told him to <laughs> shove it where the sun don't shine, and I took the Lions. I think the Lions, I think they match up really, really well. I really do. Um... I, I don't know if they win, but they're going to keep it within two and a half points. It's, it's going to come down to one or two points, both sides, either way. Ryan, I mean, it could be three. You know, it could be a last second field no, goal. No, no, I said two. And oh, it's okay. going to be two and a half. Yeah, two. Yeah, you're right. I said one or two. It's going to be one or two. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Lions too. This is this is the fan talking. You know, I think this game really is kind of a toss up. Uh, with the points, though, I think Lions have a good shot, and I think they're riding some really good momentum right now. I do too. I gotta get that music going for Michael's pick. Lions. Ow. Hey yo. Look at that. We've come we've turned him around. I think we have. I need a little bit of the, the off that the beer that we're all grading. Okay. Because it is time to grade our Michigan beers for episode seventy eight. But before we do, I want to remind everyone of our Partners, Siciliano's Market. They're simply the best beer store in West Michigan. Located on Lake Michigan Drive. Between Grand Valley State University's main campus and I'm, I'm just not in like, You're like the mental it, yeah. state for this right now. Uh, main campus in downtown Grand Rapids. Wherever you live in West Michigan, it is worth the short drive. Look, we already told you everything about these guys. They have the best craft beer selection. They have tons of spirits. They have tons of wine, tobacco, tea, all everything. They have a selection of every whatever your poison is, they have it for you. The staff is awesome. They're always right there to help you out with whatever you need. They're experts at, you know, basically any style that you're going in there for. They're yeah. great. And then they also have the biggest selection in West Michigan of brew making and wine making. So if you're into that, go there. They will help you out. Go make they, your have, own they have hops in the back that I, I've never even heard of. 
I should really wander back there a little bit more and learn a little bit more about that. Even just, if you're not into that, get into that. Yeah. yeah we, Make us some beer. We need to. We need to get into it. Yeah, we, we need, need to get, sponsor. get a connection with some of these home small brewers type thing. That would be really cool to kind of test some small batches and all that stuff. Like guys that like are looking to become brewers yeah, and like, true. open their own brewery and all that good stuff. We should really reach so out. So reach to, out, guys. Yeah. Well, no, we we want to connect with you. We should reach out to them. We don't know who they are. That's a great point. Yeah, reach out to us. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Um, John, yeah, do you do it? No. All right. So, Bill, no. All right. Well, we could try, and we could just send random messages to random people. Okay. Or we could even ask Sicilianos Market who their biggest customers are. That's true. Sicilianos Market will hook us up. They would. Yeah, we should do that. All right. And Done deal. So we are so happy that they're a part of the State of My Sports family. They help us pick out our beer for each and every episode, which we are about to grade. So check them out and let them know that we sent you. Uh, I'm going to start with the one I'm I'm drinking here, uh, Tapest from Tapestry Brewing Company, uh, Hopatometry. It's their American IPA. Uh, it is actually a very easy to drink IPA. What what is the percentage? I'm I'm curious about that. I don't have that in front of me. I should have wrote that down. I don't know. Check out their can. It's a beautiful can. It's got a little bit of uh, <laughs> whatever you call it. Move on. Hip hypnotism. <laughs> type thing uh i'm gonna go with a seven eight for this one i I really like it micah i'm drinking from pigeon hill their cafe disco it's got a disco ball coffee cup some people doing the disco it's called the disco dance right yeah that's it yeah well i i think that they're what they're doing with cafe disco so and and i should have asked them but i think that they're playing off of the the michael scott paper company um when he when michael scott's paper company got closed down he kept his uh lease with the little broom closet that he had for his company (laughs) in the office (laughs) and (laughs) and he started cafe disco because he had it for another month and he played music and he had like a little uh espresso machine and stuff like that and people came in and like dance and stuff like that um they called it they called it the cafe disco so is nbc supposed to get royalties off this beer I do not believe so because I think cafes and discos are hmm. fair to the public. But I, th- I have a feeling that's where they're going. I'm going to ask them. I'm going to ask them for sure. Anyways, I think, I think I should. It was a great episode. Back, that was a good episode. Yeah. Back to the beer. It's a coffee blonde with hazelnut and cinnamon, and you can taste them individually. No, neither is overbearing, and it's a really light beer. Just given it's a five percenter. Um, I like this beer. It's it, it's actually it's strange because it feels like a fall beer, but you wouldn't know by the can. You would think it's more of like a summer or a spring beer. Yeah. But I'm gonna do an eight O actually. Eight O. Yeah. You know what? I really like what Pigeon Hills does. Yeah. I think all of their beers are easy to drink. They're all good. You know what they're going for, and. You will never get a low score from me from Pigeon Hill, at least for the beers that I've had. Yeah, they're really honest with the way the beer is supposed to be. Like they they they're not talking about all these other different flavors that don't ever end up in the beer. I mean, it's obvious whatever yeah. they claim is is what they do. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, so Ryan, what are you drinking? I am drinking cinnamon donut stout from Blake's Brewing Company in Armada, Michigan. So I actually. I, I got to make a confession. I don't even know where Armada, Michigan is. So I looked it up on the map, and it's basically due east of flint oh really yeah so i mean i i am basically like flint down like 75 is as far east as i usually went you know like with college in oakland so i'm not really familiar with this area it seems like 
I don't know, like a small town. I, maybe it's not. Maybe it's it's a lot of people on there, but it's like low on the thumb, kind of. Yeah. In Michigan, yeah. Yeah. Just so, somewhere over there. Yeah, right? exactly. So it's, it seems like it's in the middle of nowhere. I'm not sure. I could be completely wrong. Maybe it's a. <laughs> they really might high, think Grand Rapids is in the middle of nowhere. Populated area. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, back to the beer, though. You know, it's, on the can it says "real, honest, local craft." I think they live up to that. Absolutely, six point two percent alcohol by volume. You know, this beer is a. Uh, is uh, cinnamon donuts and locally sourced cold brew coffee it has notes of chocolate, vanilla, cinnamon. I I really really enjoyed this beer. I think each individual flavor really came out, and the cinnamon was I think and, and the chocolate really were kind of the two most obvious flavors coming out with this. I'm gonna give you a good grade, eight point two for me. That is a nice for score. Stout, oh, nice. really really good. It's a nice score. All right, so we are also all drinking. Uh, from Wolverine State Brewing Company, Massacre. It's their Imperial Dark Lager. Um, they are, where are they? Somebody help me out here. What? This is not my. Wolverine? Yeah. They are in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Hey. Oh, that makes sense, right? I know where that is. <laughs> so basically they're saying this weekend there is going to be a massacre um, in this Michigan, Michigan State game. Well, in that case, <laughs> they're living up to their name. <laughs> right. Um, 14.4% alcohol by volume, so good luck drinking multiples of these. Um, lager aged in bourbon barrels. Uh, Mike, I would like you to start. So there's All right, so I'm going to read a little bit more about it. Um, they have mighty flavors of chocolate, vanilla, dark fruits. Bourbon are showcased beneath the cap. So... I think this is a really good beer. But Mike, I don't want you to start off. It's as complex as you described. It's heavy. You said it's 14%. 0.4. That's oh, wow. that's better grades than I would get in most most high school classes. <laughs> 14%? Man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's kind of embarrassing. I'm not though either. A little humility. It's <laughs> good. Um <clears throat> You heard Sam describe it and the beer grade from me, you can taste some of the fruit, and it's almost it's almost too good to be true. I'm going to do an 8.4. Ryan? I mean, all those flavors you listed, you can you can taste. There's a lot of complexity, like what you said, Micah. It, you, you can taste the chocolate. There's the, the fruity kind of – it's like – I don't know. It's almost like cooked fruit, if that yeah. makes any sense. You know, like warm apple cider, kind of that – Okay. Richness to it. Um very, very rich. Almost too rich for me. It's not it's not the I don't know, it's 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 hard to get through. It's really, really heavy. Yeah. I'm gonna go but it's very good. The flavor's good. I'm gonna go seven seven. Seven seven. I, I agree with both of you, like how good this beer is. I love the presentation too. It's like the, the waxed um covered beer. Um I'm not a big fan of these dark beers. But this is seriously one of the best ones. Like I've had several others. I've had the the founders, uh, CBS, KBS. I've had the the Dragon's Milk and all that. I would one hundred percent take one of these over it. I think the flavor of this beer is absolutely off the charts. I'm a really big fan of this beer, but it's really hard to drink, like you guys said. So it's like one it's of a those. Sipper. It is a sipper. It is. I mean, this could be one of my go tos for like just a late night sipper. Um, watching watching baseball or, or hockey or something like that. I'm I'm gonna give this an eight eight. I'm a really big fan of the flavors coming out of this beer. I don't know if that's just me, but it is. I I would say very a very very good beer. So um, 
like I mean w- different type of episode but it was fun so thank you Jim fun. Costa hopefully you're listening thank you for for spending your time to do this really appreciate it thank you all for listening thank you guys for recording really appreciate you guys being here a little different but it was fun we'll talk to you guys next week if not sooner peace Kyle see you next week buddy See where things go naturally